We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating all rivals never gets old. Making our way to the big sky conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. the club for the vandals of idaho welcome back tribe from the north brave and both to the official unofficial podcast of your idaho vandals and the vandal affiliate on the big sky podcast network i'm your host chris hammond and joining me today we have the professor brian marceau from office hours how the hell are you brian mostly doing well because we're talking vandal football which means that things are going fine but i gotta say i'm reeling I don't know if I'm going to get my Mountaineer Minute this week. Uh, they lost to... Oklahoma State, 24-3. to That's right. Who is Because Alex top? wasn't here. I even read about West Virginia on my own. That's how much I miss it. Yeah, well, and you just got it from, from the professor. Mr. Boatman is not joining us. Uh, he was spending Monday night football up in Pittsburgh. Uh, and I think maybe uh, had one too many frosty friends uh, to get on today. But... Uh, Good for Boatman getting to enjoy his Steelers because uh, nobody else does. Uh, running the show from the shadow, producer Dammer. How the hell are you, Dallas? I am fantastic. I spent the weekend going to my first ever Ducks game, and they won, and they celebrated the captain, the franchise leader in points, and brought out the previous leader. It was this huge ceremony, and then I watched the Rams get their teeth kicked in. I had great seats, but the game was miserable, so... I'm back from California, re-energized and excited to finish off this season strong. I bet you just can't wait to finish unpacking all those boxes behind you. Hold on, Chris. Yeah, you can have see you how well ever, this is going. Have you ever heard anyone say they're ready to finish something off strong with less conviction? <laughs> Good point. Good catch. I was just like sitting there like, man, come back for vacation, unpacking boxes. Yikes. But good point, Brian. That's, whole, that's a good one. But – you get this awesome, all-inspiring trip and flatter than flat. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, the the Friday was great. The Saturday was great. The Sunday, SoFi Stadium is incredible. And then I literally watched the Rams shit their pants for a good two and a half hours. So, left with a pretty sour taste there. Hey, yeah, well, good news is, around the bar, brought to you by Hughes River Expedition, Dallas, you did not get to make the Southern Utah review. Because you are busy watching your ducks, but is there anything you want to kind of touch on from the Southern Utah review before we start previewing the Montana State Bobcats? And I know for a fact Dallas did pay attention. He did his own deep dive to make sure he was ready for this this spot right here. My deep dive is I don't think we spent enough time on Roshan Johnson. I think that was about half of the show, but I think it should have been more like all of the show. That was incredible. That's all I've got to say. Uh, I went back and watched the first half of the game, uh, skimmed through the second, and it was just inspiring. That guy, it was cool to see him finally healthy and put up a all-time great performance. Yeah, and it was kind of cool, too, just talking about Vandals being awesome, right? Like uh, Elijah Penny giving him a plug for his six touchdowns, going like, oh, hey, he broke my record. You know, it's it's just cool to see guys like that in the NFL, Elijah – Still playing fullback for the New York football giant. So cool to see that he's still in tune with the Vandal program and, you know, shouting out guys. That's what helps build this program and probably a little bit to what keeps us getting uh, fantastic recruiting classes and people that want to play here, uh, despite some on the field struggles. But speaking of on the field, possibly not struggles, we have the Montana State Bobcats. So we, right now, we had a little trophy, which we don't. I still have this stupid. Halloween vulture, I can probably get that as a trophy. Uh, the best away fan base. The cake right now is going to UC Davis. But I got a feeling Montana State's going to come strong. They're an active fan base. They're ranked number three in the stats pool right now. Fan base really on the rise. I could see us getting a lot of Montana State new listeners. So welcome to you, Bobcats fans. Welcome to Tubs at the Club. It's better than the Rock and R Bar. It's better than Spectators. You got to come to the Corner Club next time you're in Moscow. And I will stand by every one of those comments. But we have the Bobcats today coming off a huge win against, uh, what was Eastern ranked? Like six? Four. Weren't they all the way up to like four? Let's call them top five. Top 
top five. I think it was Montana State at five, Eastern at four. Uh, impressive win in Cheney. Somehow giving Cheney, Cheney, I keep calling him Cheney, Eastern Washington their first like back-to-back home losses since like 2009 or something ridiculous like that. So uh, pretty crazy, impressive performance. Uh, the defense is, I mean, what Idaho's could be, what Idaho's has shown to be in times. Uh, but that's no surprise because Montana State historically, at least since Jeff Choate took the helm a couple of years ago and into the vegan area, appear to be uh, obviously one of the top defenses in the entire country. They're just – they're loaded. I mean, they are so deep at linebacker. They could afford to put their best linebacker quarterback for a couple of seasons and still make the playoffs. Uh, now he's back at linebacker. And that defense, I mean, I remember the R&R CatCast guys. I remember on the Big Sky Big, Big Sky Podcast Network, we're talking about with Kyler Neal, the Eagles power hour guy. What was the last time Eastern was held to 20 points? Eric Berry was held to what, like 175 yards? It was – Either way, just an absolute standout performance for the Montana State Bobcats. Uh, Brian, I know you watched a lot of this game. What are some of your takeaways uh, from this big top five matchup? The first, the, the takeaways are all going to start defensively, like you talked about. Montana State wins that game 23 to 20. Really, for to me, about two thirds of that game, it, it stayed close. It was a good game all the way throughout, but for about two thirds, it felt like Montana State was in control. And the number I'm going to point to is 20 that Eastern scored. Now, first, that's 25 below their average. The Eagles average 45 points a game. That's a very good offense that Montana State held at 20. But what's even more impressive to me, 20 by Eastern is the most points anyone scored against the Bobcats this season. Even game one of the season, Mountain West, Wyoming, who beat Montana State, it was 1916. No one up. Night, allowing 19 against Wyoming and 20 against Eastern is the best any offenses have done against the Bobcats this year. Now, part of that's because they have had a schedule that Vandal fans would just kill for. Uh, a lot of pretty bad teams. But, look, you play the bad teams and you kill them. There's nothing else you can do. These are all D1 teams, uh, FCS teams. Montana State's walked over. They've allowed, in the conference play, Montana State has allowed eight total touchdowns that's how thoroughly dominating on that side of the ball the bobcats have been really without skipping a beat they're this year's weaver state or they're what we thought weaver state might be that's montana state dallas yeah i mean it's it's truly breathtaking their defense is extraordinary and when we spoke kind of off band about it last week of this this really is the test for this team because if you look at that schedule, I mean, it, it really is. For those those audio listeners, they started with Wyoming, then played Drake, San Diego, Portland State, Northern Colorado, Cal Poly, Weber State, Idaho State. Outside of Weber State and Portland State even, I guess, those are cakewalk games that – we couldn't really get a full feel for the, for this team. And then to go put, put a 23, 20 drubbing on Eastern. I mean, it's 23, 20 is a close game, but Eastern, like you said, Brian scoring 45 points a game, only putting up 20 points is, is truly breathtaking, especially being in Cheney. It makes me very nervous for this weekend because this Montana state team, if their offense can click or McKay can play, well enough to not turn the ball over and keep drives fairly sustained. This team is going to go really, really far in the FCS playoffs. Yeah. And uh, to put it in terms to kind of solidify exactly echo what these two have said and put it in terms that Dallas is more familiar with. It felt like Eastern was on skates this whole game. The score was close, but it felt like they were backpedaling and being pushed backwards. Most of that game. Uh, they just never really seem to be able to get that forward momentum. Uh, and a lot of that goes to, we talked about Roshan Johnson ended up being big sky player of the week. Rightfully so. Uh, he Six scoring touchdowns. I think they said it's the also ties the most by any big sky player that's not a quarterback ever. So, like, probably Cooper Cup. I don't even know. But that's six touchdowns by one player that's not a quarterback. Insane. I mean, think about it. We were bragging how much Eric Berry throwing six touchdowns is. And for quarterbacks, that is more frequent than running backs getting six touchdowns. But if it was not going to be 
Roshan Johnson, Isaiah Infante, the running back out of Bellevue, Washington, 32 carries, 217 yards, one touchdown, 6.8 yards a carry. Aaron Best talked about it at the beginning of the season. We talked about it when we had our Eastern preview about our keys to beating Eastern was we're going to have to out-physical them, and Aaron Best said they struggle with physical teams. Montana State did not hide it. They did end up throwing the ball 30 times, so it's not like they were just doing like North Dakota State and just saying we're running down the A-gap, try to stop us, like that they did the Eastern and second half of the playoffs in the spring. But they knew the formula. Montana State knew it and knew that maybe nobody really had the run game to test them other than Idaho. But even with Idaho, you know, we were doing like our weird quarterback thing and just couldn't ever get it going. We fell behind early. Um, But otherwise, like, you know, they got a depleted Weber State running back field. They got a depleted Montana. So Eastern hadn't been tasted, tested with the run. And Isaiah Fonse proved that uh, while Eastern has made some huge strides defensively, um, a team that has that ability to physical on the line is still going to be a problem for them. Let's break it into how this is going to preview for Idaho. Uh, the one thing Idaho has going for it is I don't, obviously I don't expect Isaiah Fonse to get 217 yards. Because you are looking at Eastern Washington is the 10th rated rushing defense in the big sky. Uh, Idaho is sixth. So I'm not saying we'll be able to stop them, but I don't think we give up 217 yards to Isaiah Fonse. I think we put up a much better performance than Eastern Washington does uh, in that perform, like in, in that regard. But then again, Matt McKay is still able to throw for 253 yards, not necessarily known as a super arid out quarterback for the Montana State Bobcats. Able to put 250 up. I mean, our secondary has no, showed me nothing to say that he's not going to be able to have 330-ish yards and maybe three touchdowns. Uh, and then I, you're not going to stop a guy like Infante. It's just limiting the damage. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Idaho's defense, I mean, it's time to put up or shut up, baby. You've got a team that is not historically or recently a strong offensive team. Make this a drag-it-out brawl. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to do it. No, no, well, I mean, Afonso is Afonso, like you said, is where Montana State's offense begins. Uh, not always ends, but Afonso easily is the only player in the league on the offensive side of the ball making a making a case other than Eric Berrier for offensive player of the year. And Eric Berrier is going to win. But Afonso having an incredible year leads the league in rushing 142 yards per game in conference, six, yard, six yards per carry, six touchdowns. On. I wouldn't go pat myself on the back. I put Afonso on my preseason All Big Sky team because uh, th- this is the first season he's looked like he might be healthy all the way through. Maybe he benefited from Montana State and not playing the spring, but yeah, th- that's the first thing for Idaho. Is is there any way we can limit Afonso's effectiveness? The only team that had much success in that regard this year is Weber State, and Weber State, though it's a down year for them, still defensively they're pretty dang strong. The one of the things you did bring up, Chris, is passing. Matt McKay from Montana State, transfer quarterback from North Carolina State, started out the year relatively strong, but it was against the easy teams on the schedule. They're, they're in the harder part of their schedule. He's a look production wise, he's around league average right now, 188 yards per game. Does a good job of not turning over the ball. He's got nine touchdowns in conference to two interceptions, but. Idaho's number 13 league pass defense, which has at this point uh, given up 20 touchdowns, picked off one pass, giving up 349 yards per game. That's probably something that I wouldn't be shocked if Brent Vegan says, look, if Afonso is not churning yards immediately, we're going to make Idaho's secondary prove they can stop someone. Yeah. And, you know, Idaho's pass offense ranks ninth. Uh, Montana State's ranks 11th. Now, Idaho, as we know, went through a uh, stretch there where we were not even remotely resembling anything that was a pass offense. We looked more like the old teams, the old Nebraska teams of the past, running more of a wing T option format. Uh, but, man, I'm just saying, like, I don't know what the under is on this game, but it's going to be one of those where it's worth keeping an eye out. You're looking at Montana State has allowed the, what was it, the least amount of defense uh rushing touchdowns this year on defense they have uh da, 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 they've allowed, allowed four, four rushing touchdowns in conference. and then idaho even if you remove roshan johnson six from last week would still be tied for first in the conference for rushing touchdowns it's no secret where we're going to want to try to score the ball 
is rushing. We have four total passing touchdowns. So we're going to try to run the ball. And Montana State does not give up a lot of rushing touchdowns. Um, so I think that offensive side, of, like that battle is going to be what is clutch. And then you also look at it on the defensive side of the ball, you know, Idaho giving up 10 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, and then uh, Montana State has also scored 10. So called a, a little bit more even there for both. So we've got really good, like really good rush defense versus a really good rush offense. And then a pretty average rush offense versus a pretty average rush defense. I mean, I expect those to be just absolute fun battles to watch, but um, getting into predictions like well, here in a little bit, the game is going to hinge on if Idaho's pass defense can show up. Because well, and we got to have one little pushback, Chris. We're the number 13 pass defense in the league. Like that's, we don't have an average pass. No, defense. That's what I said. They're going to have to show up. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have yeah. anywhere average. Like it, it's, it's bad. Not that Montana state has an awesome pass offense. Like we said, what they're ranked 11th right. there, but uh, I think that it's going to take more of Idaho stepping up for Idaho to be able to win this, where Montana is going to be allowed, obviously, due to the rankings, allowed a little bit more flack on getting their offensive passing game going uh, to be able to win this game. So I just uh, – I don't think the game is going to be won on the ground. I think it is going to be won through the air. And uh, we'll see if Idaho's up to the challenge on the road. You know, last time we went to Montana, it was after – or sorry, Montana State and Bozeman. It's after a embarrassing loss in Pocatello in 2018. Um, as Boatman would love to remind us right now, a field goal that was def- – or an extra point that was definitely good. That would have been the difference in that game, at least going to overtime and not ending uh, in regulation like it did. So, you know, we came off an embarrassing loss to Idaho State where the season looked over. Montana State that year also looked impressive. Not quite as obviously not number four or three in the country like they are currently, um, but in 2018 it was a big deal to go into Bozeman and have that close win uh, or loss. There we go, 24-23. But uh, we'll see what Idaho is able to put together this week. Uh, Bozeman for those of you going, I mean I'm jealous of everyone going. This was a game I meant to go to and just got wrapped up in other things. It's gonna be a fun game. Uh, I expect Idaho to probably have one of those games where we look frisky for a bit uh, just because it's the style of these two teams. This is like in all those years where we played Weber close and we play Montana State close. It's just a stylistic matchup where both teams are very good at matching up against each other. But at the end of the day, I think Montana State has better coaching and Montana State's going to be able to overcome uh, that and probably pull away. But, you know, we'll see because wild things can happen. And as Boatman would remind us, this is the makings of a trap game. Montana State coming off a big win on the road, Eastern Washington. They get this last home game before they go to Missoula for maybe college game day. The conference is pushing for it. The FCS is pushing for it. Hell, we're pushing for it. You know, do they get caught looking like what a win, patting ourselves on the back and looking forward to Montana? Because another thing to keep forward on this very show, Coulter Nuanas came on and told us, and when I picked Weber to beat Eastern, after he said this, every team in the Big Sky this season has been flying high and could not be defeated faceplant. It was Montana originally after the Washington win and beating people faceplanted. Weber did it kind of coming into the season, high four-time season champ or Big Sky title champs, faceplanted. Eastern riding high, number three in the country. Some people had them in number one, faceplanted. Is this Montana State's week to faceplant? Yeah, I'm going to say no. The the main the, – the thing I'm looking at for Idaho perspective, I'm curious about Dallas's take, is Idaho has been up and down. Obviously, that's been – look, that's been a staple of Idaho football under Pop Street, especially the big sky being up and down. This year it's been the, a ridiculous version of up and down. The team had a really nice, really nice game last week. We talked about it on the show. Of course, Southern Utah's terrible, so we need to not round too much into that game. It was a nice showing. That doesn't mean it's a different team. From the Idaho emotional end, I I think it's going to be interesting to watch how we re, I don't rebounds probably the wrong term, but how does Idaho react? They had a had a good good game to close out the dome season. What happens the week after? Kind of like with Southern Utah against us. They had a really good showing against Montana, but couldn't pull off the win. What happens the next week? 
well they fought, but they certainly didn't do better against Idaho than they did against Montana. I I think Idaho, a very, very big thing fans are going to be watching is we've had the doors blown off us against good teams at the start of game so far this year. Can we make the first quarter look okay? Um, if you're a gambling person, I would not yet gamble on it, but Montana state's a different animal than Eastern Montana state doesn't score like Eastern, especially the last three weeks, Montana state against a combination of really since Weber state, the, October 15th against Weber State is where the Montana State schedule shifted, where they had just been feasting off of terrible teams except top top five Portland State. Since Weber State, Montana State scored 13 at Weber, 27 versus Idaho State at home, then 23 against Eastern. And though that was an impressive overall showing for the Cats, Chris, 23 is not necessarily that much. So this could be a matchup that at least the final score looks better. But it's going to be important for Idaho to actually keep this team out of the end zone. Because even though we talked about Afonze as being, you know, as being a great rusher, as Montana State being a ball control team, this team has the number two receiver in the league in conference, Lance McCutcheon, uh, 29 receptions, 560 yards, four touchdowns, averages just under 19 yards per catch. These guys, Montana State absolutely has, has some weapons they can stretch the field with that – could be the kind of thing that make, gives Idaho a rough showing at the, at the start of the first quarter. But I think, again, like Idaho as always, you see early how we're doing. That's probably how the game's going to go. Yeah. Uh, just the look, and I'd be curious to see kind of the same thing with Eastern. But according to the stats, Eastern Washington does average in conference 24.2 points like allowed on defense for scoring defense. So that is technically they're scoring as much as an average team would against Eastern Washington. So although Eastern Washington has, you could say, yet to face any significant office, like offensive threat this season, because like Montana offense looks anemic, Weber State even more so, Idaho at that time and even still currently, no wheels, no gas. Uh, and then NAU has just been Jekyll and Hyde with offense, so – I guess that's fair. Um, probably the most consistent offense they faced, but I don't know. I just think 24 points against a really good Eastern team. Like, I don't know. I still view that as like kind of a win for uh, Montana state, but. Oh yeah. I don't mean it as a put down. Like I don't mean it's put down Chris. I mean, it's just, this is Montana state isn't a team when they played the better, the not terrible part of the conference, they win their games convincingly. You can tell they're in control. Yeah, then but they smoke at UNC like by forty points. Yeah, but against the better teams in conference, again they're still winning, but they're not winning forty-five to seven. Yeah. It's the the the, the it's the t- type of games where if you just look at the box score, you might think it's closer, but if you watch the game like the Eastern game, it's pretty obvious who's in control. Dallas, you've been on the sideline for a while. What are you paying attention for in this game as far as uh, Montana State Idaho matchup? I so I I'm looking at this really weirdly. I could care le- I could not care less about Montana State or what they're going to do because I think they're going to succeed at doing whatever they are going to do. What I am concerned with is what Idaho is going to do. Um, obviously, the best showing I'd say of the season against Southern Utah, who again has one win. They are right up there with Cal Poly as the worst team in this conference. Uh, unless you ask Chris, maybe Sac State's close to that too. Uh, sorry. Just they, they're moving. Up. They're moving on my rankings. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sac State might be a top 10 team by the end of the season on Christmas Bowl. Maybe. Maybe. Right now, I think I have them at 21st. Really, really making them. To put in perspective, in my top 35, Portland State was 33. Ooh. And Simon Fraser was 34. No, 37. That's good. I only 35, start, Brian. <laughs> can we start saying top 33 Portland State? I will. Top 33 Portland State. I, I'd rather have the round number 35. But now we – I like that we threw it to Dallas to get his takesies on the shelf, and Chris and I both interrupted him like 15 times <laughs> to talk about. Is Simon Fraser top 500? Should Portland State be 33 or 34? Back to you, Dallas. It's fine. I Again, this is, this is just a weird game to me. Um, Obviously, you see Idaho put up 500 yards of offense, mostly from Roshan, but also Elisha Cummings played very well, put up almost 300 on the ground. 
that was against Southern Utah. That's not going to happen against Montana State. If we look at Southern Utah, I, I know, yes, they just got gashed, but the worst rushing defense in the conference. Montana State is not that, not even close. This, to me, screams Idaho is going to go out and try to do the exact same thing that they did against Southern Utah, which is just run the ball down their throat, which is, again, that's Idaho. That's that's how this team has been this year. But it doesn't feel to me like a game where Idaho is going to go in and think, okay, you know what? They're a lot better against the run. We have to be able to open it up. We have to be able to throw the ball when needed. It doesn't feel like that. This, to me, feels like we're going to see the exact same thing we saw against Southern Utah. And while it worked against Southern Utah, I don't think that's going to come anywhere near working against Montana State. And that's what scares me. I don't I don't care what Montana State's offense does. I don't care what, what their defense does. This feels to me like, hey, we got to win. We're going to do the exact same thing we did last week. And against a considerably better team, that's not going to work. Not foreshadowing my prediction or anything. But. I mean, I agree with you. I Like I said, I think for Idaho, this is going to be their pass defense has to have the game in the season. Because, like I said, I think I do think our de- defensive front seven is going to be able to stop the run. I don't think Montana State's too worried about that because they see that we have a 13th ranked pass defense. So they're going to have to step up and play it like play it a top 10 in the conference. Not even in the country, not even in the West. Top 10 in the conference pass defense, and maybe you can keep this thing, you know, in upset range. But we'll see. I know they've been pretty banged up all year, but at that point, like, you've had young players. You draft. We've all talked about during the recruiting specials that some of our younger dudes are more promising than some of the older dudes. So, like, I don't know. I don't buy the whole we've been banged up, and that's why our secondary is bad. I think we had out recruited a lot of our DBs regardless. And a lot of these guys would have been starting at this point anyways. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not exactly thrilling to see that for basically back to back years going on, possibly three years. Brian probably knows off the top of his head. Worst pass defense in the big sky. I know. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. No, I mean, I know his pass defense is more analogous to Cal Poly than just about anyone else, than anyone else. That's, that's just the reality of where we're at right now. Given up. Uh, Defensive-wise, Idaho gives up 349 yards per game, 9.4 yards per attempt. 9.4 yards per attempt is second worst in the league. But the thing to look at, to me, that's going to just should always scream at you, 20 touchdowns allowed. We've picked off one pass in conference. Teams teams just aren't, turn, are not punished for throwing the ball against Idaho. That's been consistent really since day one. Even Southern Utah, just we controlled the Southern Utah game. So I don't want to be unclear about that when we reference Southern Utah. Justin Miller still did not look bad at all against Idaho because no quarterbacks look bad against Idaho. Our average stat line we give up is honestly close to playing Eric Berrier each week. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you got pulled up there. I can barely read it on the screen. But yeah, the average pass defense, what are we, we're averaging 350 yards, basically, which is 55 yards more than anybody, 65 yards more than anybody else. So, I mean, Everybody else is within like 30, 20 to 30 yards of one another. And then we're giving up 65 more than Northern Arizona, who's sub 300. Like they've given up 11 passing touchdowns. The most other than us is Southern Utah giving up 13. Idaho has given up 20 passing touchdowns. Once again, take out the Eric Berrier game. Doesn't matter. You're still sitting at 24 or sorry, 14. And you still lead the conference by one to Southern Utah. So like, even take away the Barrier absolutely blow us out game, we are still the number one worst pass defense in the league. So, and f- for our listeners, very quickly, Southern Utah hasn't had their bye week, so they've played one extra game than Idaho. Yeah, true. They're on bye week this week, right? Correct. The we were making that joke. It's the one, first week we don't have to talk about Southern Utah. But and then here we are. bring them up. Well. You- that we try to kick him out, but we just keep talking about it. Try to kick him out, but we just keep talking about it. Well, I, I've covered about every angle I care to cover on this game without going into predictions. Um, do you guys have any uh, closing thoughts on this, or should we move into predicting the game? I mean, last thing for me that you just have to acknowledge: we can't answer this question. But when Dow said the stats, reference like stats not being a, or matchups not being a thing to pay attention to. What he, of course, is acknowledging is 
Um, Idaho being in the game in terms of like showing focus, showing being connected, showing heart through four quarters is a, that's a real question mark week by week. We have, we could not have been worse in that regards against Eastern and Montana. Um, NAU was up and down. Southern Utah was better. So we're trending in a direction that's, that's hopeful with the asterisk that again, you could not get worse. And we saw those two weeks. Uh, what does that look like? Idaho played, Idaho played the easier part of our schedule last two weeks. NAU Southern Utah went one and one. Uh, be curious to see how how Idaho, in terms of heart, in terms of fire, is able to stay in this game for four quarters or how many quarters, and if there's enough enough focus there for this to be a, a comp- at least a game where the results a little bit in question. Yeah. All right, Dallas. No, I think, I mean, I think that's, that's really it. I, I, Brian said in a little bit stronger terms, what I was getting at where I, it, it does really feel like this is going to be one of those Eastern Montana level games that we're, we're grasping at straws to find positives to talk about. And it becomes a show that none of us really like doing where we talk a lot about this was out of hand very quickly, very early. And what is there to say about it? Yeah. All right. Uh, well, then let's get into this. Score predictions. I'm going to push back a little bit on um, the narratives that you guys are kind of pushing here. I do think I'm taking Montana State to win here. But I do not think Montana State against any kind of solid defense, including Eastern's, which I will still stand by that. I think we have a better overall defense than Eastern Washington. They aren't putting up those 40, 30 points. They're putting up against the Northern Colorado's, the Idaho States of the world. Um, I think they score 24. I think Idaho has a classic Idaho scripted first drive like we did against Montana. We go down the field and score. Maybe we don't even allow Montana State to score for like the first two possessions. So we have like a 7-0 lead, maybe getting into the tail end of the first quarter. Um, Then I think Montana State just kind of – does exactly what Idaho kind of does, lets a bunch of unanswered points, probably 24 in a row, uh, and then Idaho gets like a late garbage time touchdown to make it look slightly more respectable, and I'll go 24-14 Bobcats. Dallas? So I'm going to read off uh, Boatman's prediction. He didn't give any details here, but uh, Boatman is predicting Montana State 42-17 in this one. Uh, I'm going to have to go pretty close to that. I think it's going to be a little less scoring. Uh, I'm going to say 28 to 7 Montana State, but that 7 does not feel like a any port any point of this game was competitive. Do you think uh, unless, it's like kind of like what I said like maybe like how classic would that be? It's a scripted first drive, we put 7 points and then like three and outs. Exactly. That's what I I feel is going to happen. That first drive is going to be the touchdown. And from there on out, everything is going to come apart. And it doesn't matter. It it might be 7-0. It might be 7-7. It might be, regardless, I think Idaho scores the touchdown in the first possession. And from there on out, it is scoreless. And I think just defensively, I mean, we've talked about the topic. So just to be summative, Idaho last in league, giving up 501 yards per game. We don't have the de- a defense that's going to slow Montana State down. I think it's going to look a little bit more like some of the lopsided games Montana State had earlier. And the other thing is Beaudry, who's been good in terms of getting yards lately. These last couple games, Beaudry has absolutely been solid completion percentage, moving the ball. His turnovers have spiked. And this is a team we cannot afford to have a couple bad any, – any sort of bad picks thrown in front of this to be competitive – I'm going to say Montana State's going to win. I don't want to repeat Bowman's score. Um, 42, 42-14. Yikes. Uh, all right, that was our score predictions. Could be brought to you by you, so let us know uh, if you guys want to sponsor score predictions. Uh, that was Around the Bar, brought to you by Hughes River Expeditions. If you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States, located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of no return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like the one to see the Perseid Meteor Shower. 
Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in history all along the river's edge. Oh, and you get a fish. Some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire flipping country. You just bring your clothes and let Hughes River Expeditions handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandaloned and operates since 1976. And ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call them now at 800-262-1882. Or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Vandaloned and operated since 1976. That means they Hughes River Expedition has been around longer then Don Monson started coaching the Idaho Vandals. What was that? 1977, right? Monson, uh, a year older, I think, or a year, year younger than, than Hughes River Expedition as far as a Vandal. That is that is quite a run by the Hughes family, who on our last show, I, I accidentally ad-libbed and said that Colin's been running it since 76, which is not possibly true. <laughs> he was born in like 90. <laughs> yeah. He looks uh, really good for almost pushing 50. <laughs> uh, I got a quick quick one for you guys. Do you, either of you have the women's game pulled up right now, the basketball, before we get into the rest of the score predictions? I bet if one of us keeps talking, Dallas could find a way to find No, it. I have it pulled up. I want to quiz you guys. Third quarter just ended. What do you think the score is? This is against Lucy. Yeah, against Lucy Clark State College. Uh, end of the third quarter, Idaho leads 55 to 32. Dallas? 69 to 42. Man, you guys would love 80 to 30. <laughs> hey, Chris, who's winning? Uh, LCSC. <laughs> if that was see, a men's game, when it's a John Newley coach team, not even a question. <laughs> yeah. We'll see as other things go on. That might actually be a question. But I like turn that over, saw it. I'm like, holy, this isn't even the end of the game, and they have 80 points. They're up by 50. Like, just sit them down. That is the kind of score that if Martin were on here and gave a score prediction, like we'd be la- like we'd be happy to have him on and be- we'd be smiling like, God damn it, hot take heapstro. Maybe maybe Just that's always why sunshines maybe, and rainbows. Maybe that's why Martin has all these hot takes, is he pays too much attention to the John Newley teams, which give him all this hope that the rest of us don't get. And yeah. he just sees these 50-point blowouts with still time left on the clock. And so he just goes like, oh, well, our football team can do that, right? Our bas- men's basketball team can do that. Yeah, I've seen it 100 times, guys. All you do is just play better than the other team and have better players. It's not a there's, big deal. There's eight minutes left, and they just crossed 90 points. Like, they're going to score maybe 110. John, can John Newley just coach both teams? Anyways. Uh, can John let's, Newley let's, coach the football team? <laughs> all three teams. And I know that there's a couple people out there that wishes he would coach volleyball. Apparently there's a contingent on all Vandals that are really upset with Debbie Buchanan performance. I, I will be the first to admit I am not a big volleyball guy. So Debbie, I, I have no critiques. So sorry if you tuned in for my critiques on your volleyball coaching. We just lost uh, a listener. I know. We just lost a whole listener. Uh, standings. I went four and three last week. Dallas, Boatman, and Brian, five and two, bringing the records to me, bringing up the rear, 55 and 21. Boatman, 59 and 17. Brian, 64 and 12. And Dallas, 62 and 14. Dallas, God, you got to make like a couple bold predictions, man. Try to pull it close. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm let's, good let's, with second place. I'm, I'm good with that. Second place is first loser. <laughs> I'm a loser. What can I say? <laughs> I root for the Rams uh, and the Ducks. I'm used to losing a lot. <laughs> we won't bump another team in there. Uh, Montana at Northern Arizona. I mean, Montana. I, I like. I get that this could be frisky. They've struggled. It's in Flagstaff. But I think Montana is going to have to start rounding in the form, and Bobby Houck is probably making their life a living Bozeman right now. Um so I'll, I'll take the Grizz. Uh, Boatman also says Montana. Uh, I'm going to make it three for three. Uh, Montana had their get right game last week where they pounded uh, the fight in McCaffrey's. I don't think they're going to do that quite against the Lumberjacks, but this game's not going to be pretty. I did a deep dive for Mont- the Montana Mint this week, which is just a new segment. If you guys want to know, deep dives by Brian. Northern Arizona has played four FCS teams with winning records this year. And viewers, listeners don't get to see Chris doing his swimming motion. 
<laughs> I saw uh, but that's, that's what was going on. Um, so NAU, they played four, four games this year against FCS teams with winning records. At, and two of those games include since uh, RJ Martinez has been quarterback and been stable at quarterback. NAU has been outscored 160 to 47 against teams with FCS teams winning records. They're not going to, they're, they're not good enough. They're the, Chris said it a lot before we've repeated it. NAU is the barometer. If you, if you're good, you beat NAU. If you suck, you don't. Montana doesn't suck. They win. Next up. Ooh, I believe this is a rivalry game. I just don't know the name of it. The Beehive Beatdown, Weber State at Southern Utah. Uh, I mean, Southern Utah, we talked about it on the review show. I'm pulling for them not to win another conference game. I love the fact that they've like won two conference games in the last three seasons if they don't this year. Uh, they won't have a conference win in the last two seasons. So Weber State, big. Like I want Weber State to just like be pissed about last week's choke and they just freaking boat race Southern Utah like 80 to zero. Uh, so Boatman is also picking Weber. Uh, this is called the Beehive Bowl for our listeners. Uh, if this game was a home game for Weber, if this was senior night, I do think this game would be closer to 80-0. to zero. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that big of a blowout because Weber's season is over. Uh, they don't have a ton to play for other than pride, but that still probably means they beat Southern Utah by at least 30. Southern Utah is obviously not going to win this game. The thing that I, I'm going to pay attention to with this, Southern Utah, you know, they won the league in 2017. They beat Weber State in the regular season. That's their last win against Weber State, then got smoked by Weber State in the first round of the playoffs, and the rivalry has been all Weber State since then. Southern Utah appears to put forth – they play hard. And they stick games out, which is part of why their scores look better than some of the other lower teams in the league. But I am going to lose no sleep over Southern Utah being done from our Big Sky schedule. From our, We're done from us having to talk about them. I wish the guys could get a win on the way out the door for the sake of the players because being on a team that doesn't win a game sucks. But you know what? They beat Tarleton State earlier in the year. So, no. Weber State kicks them out for good. And thank you, Weber State. Two things. One, killing Southern Utah. Two, You've really put it on the table. We've Because Weber State couldn't beat Portland State last week, it is truly on the table now. We have made fun of Portland State top five for the entire season. Portland State is now actually competing for top five. Yeah, thanks a lot, Wildcats. It, like, killed me when, like, I was doing my top 35, and I'm like, usually, like, usually you have to replace 30 through 35, like, just because a lot of people that win move up, and some people have bad losses at, like, 26, and they move out, and, like, I'm going through, and I'm kind of like, Looking, looking, I'm like, oh, my God, I guess I could put Portland State. Looking, looking, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to put Portland State. Oh, hate it. Bruce Barnum possibly saved his job. Like, was that a Barnum saving this job game? Is that the kind of win that keeps him around? I don't know. So I don't know his contract details because I get I guarantee that is issue number one at Portland State. But I I wouldn't be shocked because now it's on the table. We have to talk about Portland State playoff implications because if they win out, which they're not going to, but if they win out, you have to think they are not going to make the playoffs because it's only six wins because they didn't have an FCS out of conference win. But people are going to talk about, hey, should Portland State be in? Look at how they finish the season. So quick question for you guys. Yes. Portland State went five and four this year, four and two in conference. Would you trade Bruce Barnum for Paul Petrino right now if it meant Barnum had the same contract Petrino was on and it extended, let's say it was three more years. No. I I have no problem saying Bruce Barnum's clearly a better coach than Paul Petrino, but I would not trade because we are way closer to transition. Yeah, and one, I don't think we should pay that kind of salary again, period. I'm definitely not transferring it to Barnum. Uh, plus, there's some things we've heard about Barnum possibly being a little, I don't know, wild and wonky. Can you imagine if, I mean, he's, I don't want to be rude here. How do I say this? He is around Rob Akey. 
Like, <laughs> but we're we're not about like no one's gonna quote unquote cancel Chris. You can just say he's fat, Robbie. No one's upset. No, none of our listeners are gonna quit because you called Bruce Barnum fat, Robbie. He's fat, smiley, Robbie. A lot of, a lot of dots, pretzels. Uh, I but, the reason I ask is because I don't know any Portland State fans of the like the thirty that there are in the world. So I truly don't know how hot his seat is. They are they're five and four, four and two. I feel like. It, yeah, let's let's play a slightly different role. I feel like if Paul Petrino put up a year like this, it would be an, an extension year. So I'd like I, to think we have higher standards moving forward. Let me close the book really quick on Bruce Barnum. But you're probably right. It's with a it's with a culture nuance kind of answer. It's well, what is Portland State supposed to be? They're like the worst in terms of institutional support, like the least supported team in the league. Fact. Their fan base is terrible. Fan. They, which isn't to make fun of them. They're a, they're a commuter school. The fan base is different at a commuter school. They don't even have their own practice facility. They don't play games in the city they occupy, but he has a team around 500. You call that a success story. And one of the best recruiters, top five classes all the time. Yeah. Let's, let's phrase it differently. If you're Idaho state, do you trade fantasy straight up for Bruce Barnum? I'd say the jury's in. You'd have to. Yeah, uh, I would just prefer to like go on a really long vacation and wait for both contracts to be over. <laughs> but then not, you can, not have to deal with either. <laughs> Is that possible? Chris, Chris, you have we we have to get on the next game in a second. But Chris, you have been to Hillsborough games. You said they're not that bad. I, I you know what? If Bruce Barnum was picking up my tap every time I went to a game, you're right, actually. Screw that. Yeah, Barnum can come coach. I would trade that contract if he picks up the tab every single day or every single home game. I'm in. You're a good point. I forgot that he picks up beer, puts saloon doors on his office, and uh, loves Dots Pretzels. The pride of where? North Dakota. Sweet. Uh, I don't know. I would – let's just say whether it's in two days – Two months or two years, uh, I think we have brighter coaching prospects on the horizon uh, than either. So, uh, before we get to the game of the week, too, we have to tease listeners. We're not done talking about Portland State. We still have their game to pick. <laughs> uh, next up, Idaho State at Cal Poly. Uh, I'm not even the Baldwin guy, and I'm pulling for the guy to get a win. He's got to get a win to turn this around. He cannot go one and a half seasons without a win, especially when one of Brian's favorite punching bags in the big sky, Northern Colorado's got, what, three or four this year? Like, like at some point, if fighting Ed McCaffrey's with their four touchdowns on offense or throwing touchdowns can get a couple wins, like, Cal Poly's got to get a win. Idaho State reeling. Fantasy in the news for wrong reasons. Like, it's at Cal Poly. I think it's senior night. I'll take Poly. I keep getting burned by him. This is like three straight weeks I've taken Poly. But you know what? Just there, I talked myself out of it and watched. This is going to be the week they get it. I'm going to take Fantasy in the Bengals. But if Poly wins, I'm glad I could support them winning by giving that Vandal juju. Uh, to the Idaho State Bengals. So Boltman is actually picking Polly. So I'm shocked that, that Chris did not hear. So we do have somebody picking Polly on the podcast. It is not senior night. Their senior night is Northern Arizona next week. I but feel better about Idaho State. <laughs> realistically, if if Cal Poly is going to win a game, it is this game. It is the best shot. They probably, honestly, this is probably the best shot they've they have all season. Their conference schedule has been just as tough as Idaho's. They played Montana, Weber State, Montana State, UC Davis, top five Portland State, then Sac State. These two are the most winnable games on their schedule with Idaho State being considerably worse than Northern Arizona. I cannot believe I'm going to do this. I'm picking the Bo Baldwins. Damn it. This is... I really wanted to hammer how Cal Poly is averaging 10.7 points per game in conference, how Cal, Cal Poly has 10 total offensive scores on the season as to why Idaho State's a runaway pick. Roshan Johnson almost beat that himself last week. 
Yes, that is how bad Cal Poly is offensively. But Idaho State's only averaging 16.8 points per game. However, in in that 16.8, they've almost doubled the total scores from Cal Poly. Idaho State's had a ton of instability at quarterback, which has hurt them offensively. I think really, if Vanderwall's on the team, they're not making the playoffs, but they're some of their games look a little bit different. Idaho State can't, does have some physicality. I'm not. I really want to try to pick Cal Poly because I I really want. Same, I mean, same as Bo Baldwin thing, Chris. Is I pay attention to Cal Poly because I like Bo Baldwin. I like to imagine damaged goods is real. Hashtag, but it's not. Idaho State. I think Idaho State's going to win this. I don't. I think Idaho State's not good, but talent wise, I don't think they're Cal Poly bad at this point. So the Bengals. Although picking the Bengals on the road, good lord, what a proposition to not go out on a limb for. And, and in the, the hey, the last team we can talk about long grass. Although Cal Poly at least has money to mow their their grass, which Northern Colorado previously didn't. So we don't get the long grass of San Luis Obispo that we had of Greeley. Uh, maybe the grass matters. Probably doesn't. Again, Idaho State. Eastern Washington at UC Davis. Look, you know I picked. I don't remember. Did I? Because I flopped. Did I end up sticking with Eastern Washington last week, or did I flop back to Montana State? I don't even remember. Had we all they, picked Eastern. Okay. Had Eastern won that game, I would have picked UC Davis in this game. I really have a hard time imagining Eastern Washington dropping three straight. Like, if they do, and let's say Portland does get frisky in that damn game, I mean, you went from talking about a team that was getting first-place votes to being a bubble playoff team. And they are not a bubble playoff team. So I just can't see them losing to UC Davis. That could probably afford this loss and a loss to Sac State if it happened next week. But I just have a bad feeling. I, I'm going to take Davis. I, I can't believe it because like everything in my being says that's a terrible pick. But Davis... Ooh, so Boatman is also picking Davis. So let's put that out there. Uh, UC Davis is eight and one. They, I know they've been kind of joked about on this show and other Big Sky Pod shows and in our chats of they almost lost to Idaho, then they lost to Idaho State. They rightfully pasted Northern Colorado, but Cal Poly, it was close for a little bit. Uh, UC Davis is such a hard team to wrap wrap your head around, and Miles Hastings is is the guy right now. He looked a lot better last week than he did against Idaho. Uh, boy, I, I I I cannot pick Eastern to lose three straight. I just can't do it. Not not when it's UC Davis. If it was somebody else, maybe, but I I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, Alonzo Gilliam could run all over Eastern's defense there. They they have a worse rushing defense than Idaho. I will give you that, Chris. Um, I don't I don't know if I agree that Eastern's defense is worse than Idaho because of the the discrepancy in the passing game. But I mean, I, I, I that did sound like I meant significantly worse. I meant like they're probably like five or six. <laughs> I just I I don't see Miles Hastings throwing the ball well enough for for UC Davis to hang in this. I've got to go with Eastern. This is easy for me because I think we have given UC Davis way too much clout for beating a not very good Tulsa team week one and narrowly beating Weber State. Now, those those are two good wins, of course, or at least okay wins. But I think this Weber State, this UC Davis team, is who they've been the past month, which is they barely beat Idaho at home. They lose to Idaho State. Yeah, they control Northern Colorado, but so does everyone who's not Southern Utah. They let Cal Poly hang in a little bit, and yeah, they have like an okay showing against Northern Arizona. But I'm going to compare that to Eastern, who we feel is kind of reeling. Eastern just lost by three to the number two team in the nation. They could have won a game where the other team controlled tempo and controlled the game itself for the majority of the game. Eastern still could have won. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm not worried about the three games in a row. I just think we saw Eastern in two of their rougher games against probably the worst matchups they could have in conference of Weber State 
and Montana State. They should have beaten Weber State. They killed themselves with turnovers. And there's a world where they beat Montana State based off the score. Eastern, no, no question for me, Eastern Washington. Are you discounting the fact that you just touched on it? They lost to the number current number three team in the country. I believe UC Davis is the current number four team in the country. I think no, they're number you, six. They're number six. I think UC Davis is a good football team. I don't think that they're, they're top four in this in the nation. I think they benefit from like I talked about, cloud from early wins, and then they've had the easiest schedule in the world and just not lost. While other teams like Montana, like Eastern Washington have had to play real teams. I mean, it's a dynamic not so different than Sacramento State, Chris. Um, If you keep winning games with a soft schedule while other teams play real teams and lose, because some people do the like slot voting thing where you don't look at performance, you look at did they win or not, you're just going to rise in the polls. That's UC Davis. They're clearly not top four talent-wise. Like, would you take UC Davis, Chris, over any like the top three Missouri Valley teams? I'd probably put them at three, which is where they're ranked currently behind South Dakota State and North Dakota State. Because uh, let's see, you're looking at that. You and I, yikes. Perennial I, playoff team. Yeah. Southern Illinois. Oh, you're right. Southern Illinois. I think they're better than Missouri State. I don't know if they're better than Southern Illinois. I know that's confusing because Missouri State like just beat Southern Illinois. The fact that you have to answer with a paragraph makes it clear that it's not clear that they'd even be top three in that one conference, let alone top four in the nation. But is that fair? Like the Missouri Valley is by far the best conference. Like is any team in the big sky a top two team in that conference? I guess we'll see with Montana State, right? But, I mean, North Dakota State and South Dakota State are no slouches. Like, it's hard to be that third spot in the Missouri Valley. Well, no, I mean, you're right, but you just also made the case for Eastern just barely lost to the number two team in the nation. That's not – Three. James Madison's two. Okay, they just – my bad. They lost by three to the number three team in the nation. That's not a bad showing. That means you belong in the top three discussion. Davis, to me, doesn't belong there. That's why Eastern's an easy pick. Yeah. All right. Well, let's round it out. Portland State versus Sac State. Uh, if I keep the bad karma going, I want Cal Poly to get their first win, and I want Sacramento State to get that just gut-wrenching loss. I'll take the Hornets. Go Vikings. Well, this is going to be the week the top five Portland State solidifies top five. My goodness. Uh Chris is going with the reverse psychology here, apparently. <laughs> Boatman picked Sac State. I'm picking Sac State. Sac State's had an easy schedule, but they're, I mean, they've got a they've got a look-ahead game to UC Davis, I guess, but uh, this team outclasses Portland State in almost every facet. Sac State. I just, in case this does go sour, like this, like, objective picking against what I want to have happen, Next week, I'm going to challenge myself since I'm guaranteed out of the uh, pick'em standings. I'm going to try to go perfect 0-6. <laughs> See if I can absolutely pick every game wrong instead of trying to pick every game right. But, all right, remind me of that next week. Sorry, Brian, I just filibustered you with this just bonkers idea. <laughs> Portland State is 5-4 and four on, the, on the season, 4-2 and two in the big sky. Their losses are Montana State, which we just covered. That's not a bad loss. They lost to Idaho, homecoming for Idaho. Look, they were decimated first half against Idaho. I And since then, Portland State has played Idaho State, Cal Poly, and the, the big win they had is Weber State. So is Portland State for real? I still don't. I still don't think so. Um, I think they caught Weber on really a rough week, and and that Weber team is not as good as we thought they were. They're not bad, but they're not as good as we thought. Sacramento State. This is a big deal for Sac State because even though they're they're undefeated in conference, uh, six zero conference, seven two on the season, they have one impressive win on the conference season at Montana, but Montana was also out very key guys on defensive side of the ball. I think this is going to be close. I, I'm so close to picking Portland State, but I, I really think Troy Taylor does us all a favor. Sac State gets the win. We we can officially say when Sac when Portland State closes out the season with two consecutive losses, going four and four, 
top five Portland State joke is still alive. All thanks to Troy Taylor. All thanks to Sac State showing they're at least okay this week. See, Chris is in a tough spot. Does he want top five Portland State to go away or be right about – or sorry, top five Portland State to stay around as a joke or Sac State to actually prove that, like, they're not as good as everybody thinks they are. It's a tough week for Chris. Well, Portland you guys State. thought Idaho-Montana State was going to tear me up inside. No, it is Portland State versus Sac State pulling at Chris's heartstrings for which thing he would rather have happen in his big sky football existence. Well, in Portland State, to me, like they're the perfect team to pay attention to to be irritated about Idaho's season so far is Portland State – they they have some a couple more big sky games we wish we would have had. You know, the Cal Poly is we'll, we'll get Idaho State. We both had Southern Utah. By the way, Portland State beats Southern Utah by seven. That's it. But if Portland State finishes something like four and four or five and three in con no, sorry, if they finish five and three in conference, four and four is the worst they can finish. If they finish five and three in conference and Idaho goes three and five again, I don't know if we ever get to make fun of any other school. With Portland State finishing above 500, no, we can't. We're not – I am not going to say we live in a world of Portland State gets to finish above 500 in conference until it's actually happened. And then we can discuss that as like a secondary come apart on our season finale. I just like your attempt to make fun of Portland State was that they only beat Southern Utah by seven instead of they lost Idaho. Well, you are absolutely correct. Except <laughs> At one point like, we're getting boat raced by Idaho. That was the thing is <laughs> – it doesn't occur to me to make fun of Portland State for losing to Idaho because Idaho looked like a good football team in that first really? half against Portland State. That was not uh. Portland State sucking. That was Idaho was better than them. Idaho was stronger defensively. Idaho was better offensively. Every facet of the game, ugly as hell second half. Yeah, But uh, that's why it didn't occur to me. But, Chris, you're right. Um, that's what you, maybe you should point to about if Portland State's so good, maybe they not only beat Southern Utah by more than seven, they beat Idaho. Uh, all right. Well, that was our predictions. Uh, time to go into closing the bar. Check us out at patreon.com backslash tubs of the club. If you want to support the show, get your tub token, club token, beer token, well token, whatever token you want to support us at. There's multiple levels between the multiple benefits for each. We have a really cool discord that we kind of launched about a month ago that we've been like working through the kinks, have game day threads. It's less public. So you get a little bit more, I don't want to say candid, you get more candid takes. Um, so, uh, if, if you just really want to see like Martin not have hot takes, that's the place it is. There's a mythical place for Martin is cynical. I'm just kidding. But, uh, speaking of party pants account. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It's a wax party pants account. Uh, speaking of Martin, uh, probably live here shortly. The women's basketball game just wrapped up. If you're watching live on YouTube, if you're listening in podcast form, we'll probably already be out in the existence. I am excited to hear Martin's analysis on why Idaho needs to be worried that Idaho's back of the bench was outscored by LCSC in the fourth quarter, 16 to six. We have serious problems at the Idaho program when our last 12 players are not being able to beat LCSC as true freshmen. I want to hear all about it. I know you do too. So tune in to Martin's breakdown of the absolute slaughtering of the LCSC uh, game to kick off and open up. ICC Arena, and uh, we've got uh, the men's basketball tomorrow uh, or yesterday, if you're listening. Uh, Don Verlin's going to be in the house, or Don Verlin, who knows, might be in the house. <laughs> Don Monson, however, uh, is going to be there. Brian Marceau is going to be there. Dallas, are you making the... No? All right, well... I unfortunately work until 6 o'clock, and I, there's no way out of that, so... Yeah. Uh, two hour drive from my place to Moscow is, yeah, just not not in the cards. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try to watch it. So stay tuned for a post game reaction. Maybe. No promises. Unless Brian's committing. But I don't think you're committing. Not yet. I think I th- producing in public again, football season gets over. We'll probably roll into like regular basketball stuff immediately. But also, by the time football season ends, we're going to have enough of a sample size of basketball that we can that we're not speculating on what we're talking yeah. about. We're, and we're one of those teams where conference play is the only thing that matters, anyways. We're not getting an at-large bid, so yeah. yeah the the out of conference thing is more. Do we're looking at is the talent better than it was last year? Early returns are yes, but we need to see that against D one teams. Hard to not be. <laughs> 
Yeah. I, well, no, Chris, Sorry, you're right. That's the how, not basketball guy. No, well, look, here's the thing. I'm trying to not like be making fun of the team before I've even seen them. I'm trying to give a new roster a clean slate. That's the first question for Vandal fans is like, look, it has to be better than last year. The early returns are that it's better than last year. So figure yeah, we didn't you, lose to a D2 or lower. No, and we had guys who look like they belong in D1 uniforms, which that's a that is honestly a gigantic step up for us when you factor in that all of our guys we lost the program, only one Scott Blakeney landed at D1 place. The team looking like guys who deserve D1 scholarships is a big deal. Um, I am concerned about Gabe Quinnett being a starter so far um, because look, we'll go we'll go deeper in, but I think if this team's good, we need guys like Quinnett to be off the bench or you know, team, you know, role players, team sport, that kind of thing. We need we need talent above what we saw last year. But again, I'm going to reserve judgment until I see these guys take the floor against other D1 players so we can actually report. There you go. Make sure you tune in when we do start basketball coverage for Brian Marceau's deep dive into Moscow Prep Basketball Stars. Uh, and going on, that is closing the bar, and we will see you guys post-game Saturday. Uh, not many more of these football ones left, so we'll catch you guys in the next one. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the vandals and the craft. I'll just out there living the dream. Part of one and only Moscow drinking.